from WUB News, you're listening to The Outlet, where campus meets community. I'm Taylor Burnett. Each week on The Outlet, we bring you stories from Southeast Ohio. This week on The Outlet, two beloved events return to Athens, the International Street Fair. I think especially in a, a rural community that we live in, um, it's, it's really good for people to be um, acclimated to people from other cultures. And Rathacon. After two years, you know, you don't know how things are going to, when they return, how they're going to be received. And I got to tell you, it, it warms my heart to see so many people coming through the aisles. And WUB Sports Director Brian Kerr brings us up to speed on OU Baseball's current standing in the Mid-American Conference. These stories and more, right here, on The Outlet. The International Street Fair returned to Court Street in Athens Saturday, despite less than ideal weather. Students from around the world shared their culture with the community for the first time in two years. WUB reporter Kate Anderson talked with students not only sharing pieces of their own culture, but absorbing the customs, traditions, and foods of others. Rain, sleet, and cold weather did not stop the smiling faces at Saturday's International Street Fair. A parade kicked off the event where members of the community walked through the streets holding flags representative of their nations, chanting many nations, one family. One family. One family. The group gathered around the stage listening to the introductions and welcoming speeches. President Sherman and Mayor Patterson thanked the group for being there and declared the street fest open. Mayor Patterson expressed his love for the event and for the diverse community. We're bringing all cultures together in one location here in the heart of southeastern Ohio. That I really love. You know, when you look around southeast Ohio, it's not the most diverse place in the world. However, when you bring all the international students that are here at Ohio University into the mix, that we really are a diverse community. Ohio University is home to students from over 100 different nations. President of the Latino Student Union, Maribel, says the street fair is a wonderful way to be exposed to the different cultures that are represented at the university. Well, I think it's a great way to like see what other um, cultures are present at Ohio University and kind of like just seeing like what they bring to the tables, hearing their stories, and also just learning about their culture, their food. I think it's a great way to kind of just like interact with everyone that you don't see on your day-to-day -day basis. The International Street Fest is a great representation of all the cultures and different people that call Athens home. From trying new food to playing games, the fair is all about learning new things. A member of the Center for International Studies, Brianne, says learning about other cultures is so important. I think especially in a, a rural community that we live in, um, it's, it's really good for people to be um, acclimated to people from other cultures um, and to be surrounded by uh, you know, just different traditions. I think it's really important to learn about um, what is important to other people. It was a great fun-filled, food-filled day. For The Outlet, I'm Kate Anderson. Today I'm joined by WUB Sports Director Brian Kerb, and today we're talking baseball with a little bit of softball. So, Brian, what was the weekend like for the Bobcats? 
Yeah, the baseball team uh, hosted Toledo over at Bob Wren Stadium. Uh, both of them are really close in the standings. So, you know, coming this point of the season, you got to start stringing some wins together and starting to climb up the standings. Ohio entered the weekend in seventh, so had some work to do. Toledo entered in fifth, I believe. So both of them fighting to get into that top four to get a spot up in the MAC tournament uh, in late May. But on Friday, things got off to a pretty good start for the Bobcats. Uh, you know, they were down uh, early in the game, worked their way back, tied the game, and actually took the lead in the ninth inning to go up 5-3. to three. But Toledo came back and tied it at 5 in the bottom of the inning. And then in the 10th inning, Ohio shut down Toledo. And Mason Minzie hit a walk-off home run off the top of the scoreboard. The thing was absolutely crushed. So that sent the Bobcats home happy in a good mood to start the series. But unfortunately on Saturday, uh, you know, the weather wasn't that good. Uh, it was sleet, cold, windy. Uh, that didn't really affect the scoring too much. Uh, the final score was 11-8. to eight. Uh, you know, it was pretty much all Toledo, pretty much the whole game. Uh, pitchers struggled for Ohio, so, you know, they could flush that one because on uh, Sunday they ended up playing a doubleheader, and uh, <laughs> the weather here in Athens can, continues to be crazy. Uh, I actually got sunburn on Sunday from that doubleheader. So just imagine on Saturday I was bundled up in my winter jacket and gloves, and then on Sunday I got sunburn, and I'm still not fully back to my normal skin color, I guess you could call it. But yeah, back to the doubleheader. Ohio lost the first one, 11 to five. They were actually down six to one at one point and came back to bring it within a run, and then ended up, uh, you know, run. Toledo ended up running away with the 11 to five uh, victory in seven innings. So the Bobcats, you know, had to salvage a series split. You know, don't want to lose three or four to Toledo. They could have went even further, more down the standings. But you know, to split a series, go two and two, something they wanted to do, or you know, they had to do in that fourth game, you know, obviously they'd want to win the series or at least, or, you know, even sweep it. But they ended up winning 10-3. to The offense was out in full force. Uh, really good game from starter Brendan Roeder, and he's someone that in the rotation uh, you're really going to see a lot for the Bobcats, someone who stepped up in the relief role and they put him in the rotation because other starters were struggling. So he's someone that, you know, I'd keep an eye out for the rest of the season uh, in the Bobcats rotation, as well as Eddie Cutt, who started on Friday night, who did a good job. So those two are the anchors of the rotation, in my opinion. Uh, then you got some other guys that have been inconsistent, but can definitely uh, bring, you know, bring the heat and uh, put some good games together. Yeah, absolutely. And so, not as great of results coming from the game with Marshall. Um, so tell me what happened. Yeah. So uh, after Sunday's game, uh, you know, obviously the media interviewed Craig Moore, and I asked him a question about, hey, you know, you have a non-conference game, you know, coming off a big conference series against Toledo, got a non-conference game. What are you looking to expect to see from the guys there? And he said that, you know, we were going to see some of the younger guys, some of the guys that you might not see out on the field that much during the weekends in MAC play. And, you know, some of the guys in the lineup uh, were definitely, you know, they were still in the line. You know, they were in the lineup usually. They were in the lineup on Tuesday. But there were a few guys that they threw in, you know, get some, get some reps, get some innings. You know, obviously much needed for some of the younger guys. Uh, so, you know, Bobcats felt, <clears throat> excuse me, lost that game 10-3. to It was a... Uh, Tough one overall, but, you know, to see that happen in non-conference play, it's not as bad. You know, obviously you want to win all the games, but to see it happen in non-conference play, you know, that's forgivable because, you know, uh, they got a really big series this weekend against Eastern Michigan. But, yeah, Ohio beat Marshall at home a few weeks ago, so Marshall ended up returning the favor down in uh, Huntington uh, on Tuesday. So, you know, non-conference loss, not a Huge deal. Obviously, there's some things that they can look at on film to get better, especially some of the younger guys that don't have as much playing time. Get them better, and that's only going to help them um, moving forward. And who knows, maybe we'll see them in MAC play. Uh, but, yeah, this weekend against Cent or Eastern Michigan, excuse me, is going to be a huge one. Uh, 
Again, like Toledo, Eastern Michigan is fighting for a top four spot. They are, I believe, now fifth place. So they need to keep uh, string together wins like the Bobcats do. So it should be a huge series for both uh, Eastern Michigan and Ohio. And we'll see if the Bobcats, you know, led by Craig Moore, can string some late season wins, wins together. Uh, we usually see usually uh, these late season surges from the Bobcats on uh, Bobcats baseball team. So we'll see what happens. It should be interesting here this next month. Yeah, absolutely. And so switching off to softball, been on a hot streak. Tell me about that. Yeah, so the softball team entered last weekend on a five-game winning streak. Uh, something, you know, you want to see out of them because like baseball, the top four teams for softball also make the tournament at the end of May. I, actually, I believe this one's in the beginning of May. May, or May 12th is when the uh, tournament starts, so less than a month away for them to uh, get their chance at the uh, tournament. Uh, they were up at third place, uh, had to have a big series at Ball State. Uh, weather again there, not really that favorable. They had to actually shift the games back to Saturday or Sunday and Monday. Usually they play these games Friday, Saturday, so it just shows that they completely shifted the whole thing back. But, hey, that didn't really affect the Bobcats on Sunday. Uh, took the first game 7-5 to five, and then the second game 6-4. to four. So that upped their winning streak to seven games. Uh, definitely something you want to see out of a team, especially heading to this point of the season. They got their they're in their stride. They caught their stride. Just keep that consistency. But, you know, all good winning streaks must come to an end. On Monday, they played at 10 a.m., which I think is, wow. I mean, I can't imagine. I remember back in my younger days waking up to play, like, Little League at 10 a.m., but I can't imagine college baseball, you know, big stage playing that early. But, you know, they ended up playing. Uh, they had a lead for a good majority of the game, but there was a rain delay, a lightning delay, I believe, too. So they ended up can't or not canceling it, pushing the game or delaying the game, that is, uh, for a few hours. Then once they came back, Ball State came back and took the 5-4 uh, to four win. But, you know, take two out of three. Keep winning series. You don't have to get a big win streak. Um, it's very hard to sweep. You rarely really get a chance to do that in baseball or softball because there's just so many games and so many variables that go into a baseball game or softball game. So, you know, keep winning series. But, you know, Bobcats back home at the Ohio softball field this weekend against Central Michigan uh, as of now. At the time of this recording, uh, they play a game on Friday at 3 p.m. Uh, and then on Saturday at 1 and 3. So we'll be seeing three games between the Bobcats and Chippewas. Should be seeing three games. Again, the weather could affect that. Although looking at the forecast, it seems to be pretty nice weather over the weekend. So I'll be looking forward to uh, getting out there to cover uh, Bobcats. I'll make sure to put some sunscreen on this weekend, though, so I don't uh, get burnt again. Good idea. Rathacon was also back in full swing, bringing together lovers of pop culture and more on Saturday. Will Price met the people who were there converging fandoms. Recognize that sound? That beeping is from R2-D2, one of the most recognizable characters from Star Wars. But that's not a clip from one of the movies. That came from a black and gold life-size replica, built by a member of a fan group for the sci-fi franchise. Dozens of groups like this met up in the Athens Community Center over the weekend for Rathacon, Athens' only pop culture convention. It was the first time Rathacon has been held since 2019 due to the pandemic, and event president Elise Carter-Schultz says such a long layoff built up nerves for her, all the way up until the final minutes before they opened. Up until this morning, I was very anxious, but right now I see lots and lots of people here, which is very, very exciting. Uh, a much bigger turnout than I anticipated, so uh, I feel great about it. 
Schultz wasn't the only one relieved by the turnout on Saturday. After two years, you know, you don't know how things are going to, when they return, how they're going to be received. And I got to tell you, it, it warms my heart to see so many people coming through the aisles. That's Adam Green. He's a member of the Southeast Ohio Ghostbusters. They have some of the most famous memorabilia from the franchise at their stand. Green and his partner for the day are decked out in jumpsuits with their names on them. And they have proton packs for fans to take photos with. He says he looks forward to events like this so he can interact and share his fandom with others. But he really looked forward to the return of Rathacon, saying it has an intimacy that larger conventions lack. You can talk to these people. That's what makes the, the con uh, unique is that it's almost kind of like a local bazaar or, or flea market type of thing. You can go and just strike up a conversation with somebody. One stand that draws a lot of attention is a set of three tables littered with different prop weapons. There are dozens of them, ranging from blasters from the fictional Star Wars universe to replicas of medieval swords and shields from centuries ago. Unlike a museum when people can only look at these, playing with the props is encouraged. There's even a sign that says, please touch, and many do. Tom Fiocchi is one of the organizers of the event, and he's listed on Rathacon's website as a prop maker extraordinaire. He says he loves watching people interact with his creations. It's fun. It's really great. I mean, I really miss this stuff. I mean, I bring all this stuff so that everybody can just climb all over it and wield the guns around and the swords and things like that. So, um, yeah, it's a highlight of my year. Fiocchi works in theater production at Ohio University. So some of the props are leftovers from previous shows. All those medieval swords were used for the play She Kills Monsters, which was put on right before the pandemic in 2020. Others are projects he makes just for Rathacon. It was nice to have the motivation. As a matter of fact, when I was working at work, when I was working late, I would work a little bit on the show, and then I would like spend an hour working on something I was doing for, for, for Rathacon. In some ways, it's a little bit like service <laughs> to the community. And all these props aren't the only thing Fiocchi enjoys. He's donning one of the most impressive costumes on the day, dressed as the fictional god Thor from Marvel Comics. He's got a winged helmet, a foam hammer, and the armor to match. He recalled dressing up with his friends for the first Star Wars movie when he was in high school. And he says, after all these years... It's kind of cool to be able to be 61 and still dress up like an idiot. Schultz says that the costumes and fan bases make the event fun for people of all ages. We have such a diverse population of people in Athens. It's really fun to see, you know, we have little kids here, we have college students, and we have like, you know, all ages and all, everybody is here. Green says interacting with children who have seen the newest Ghostbusters film, which was released in 2021, was a highlight for him. What's really gratifying for us is when we have families come up and the kids know who we are now, you know, and, they, and you can see them either mouth the words Ghostbusters or they come over to us. We had a little kid that we gave a rookie sticker to because he was using the popper and he was blasting Slimer here. Schultz says one of her favorite things each year is being able to track different trends in popular culture by looking at everyone's costumes. And you can kind of see the trends in pop culture because like there was one year that everyone was My Hero Academia and I was like, okay, well, apparently the show's really popular and like maybe I should check it out. It's fun to sort of watch the evolution of pop culture through going to conventions. What she's most proud of over the years is the community that's been built at Rathacon, starting at the first one back in 2009. People just want to be here and want to socialize. Um, and so I really think that I'm very proud of how we've sort of built 
kind of a loyal fan base of people that just really like being here. For the outlet, I'm Will Price in Athens. Looks like the wait continues to find out what's coming to a historic building on the corner of Court Street and Union. But WUB's David Forster reports a new buyer has stepped forward. It's been vacant for two years in a pretty prime location in Athens. The building is directly across Court Street from Ohio University's Alumni Gateway. It was built in 1915 as a car dealership, and then it became a bookstore in the early 1950s and remained so until it closed in late 2019. Last year, the building went under contract with a buyer named Student Rentals, Inc., the company was planning to use the ground floor for retail and convert the top two floors into 20 single-bedroom or efficiency apartments. But the building has no dedicated parking, and city code requires 40 off-street parking spaces for this many units. Despite getting an exception by putting parking spaces down on West Union, the buyers backed out of the deal for unknown reasons in December. severe thunderstorms tearing through the plains, the majority of our listening area has, has been placed under a slight or marginal risk of severe weather this week. WUB lead forecaster Aaron Ashley is here to break down what this means. Yeah, thanks for having me, Taylor. The Storm Prediction Center places what is called a convective outlook for severe weather, which it basically shows which areas have a chance of certain things happening, so that includes tornadoes and wind and even other things such as hail. Gotcha. What makes this different from like your typical watcher warning? So basically, the convective outlook does the same thing as a watch and warning, except it has the ability to combine the chance of a tornado or heavy winds or hail and kind of describe the chance of severe weather happening in general. And I noticed that y'all can be kind of specific for what kind of risk is issued. Yeah, true. The SPC has a scale that ranges from like a chance of general thunderstorms to a high chance of severe thunderstorms. So what is it that really makes a severe thunderstorm a severe storm? Obviously, if it's capable or has created a tornado, then it's severe. But there's also certain criteria that might make a storm severe. And that's when you'll see things like winds that are up to or greater than 58 miles per hour, or even hail that is about an inch in size, so like a gumball. Oh, gotcha. Um, so ultimately, the major threat to us as far as severe weather goes is going to be like gusty winds, hail, or a tornado? Yes, exactly, Taylor. These are all things that could directly damage life or property, and so meteorologists deem it severe. Other hazards might also appear, though. Such as? Well, lightning strikes are always a threat with thunderstorms, and you never know exactly where those will strike. But then also heavy rain can create really intense flooding very, very quickly, so... While it's important to prepare to prepare for severe hazards, it's equally important to note more common hazards as well. That's all we have for you this week. Thanks for joining us. The Outlet is produced each week by me, Taylor Burnett. We're edited by Atish Baidia, Aaron Payne, and David Forster. Adam Rich is our technical assistant, and our theme music is performed by Ryan Gabos. Subscribe to The Outlet on SoundCloud or Spotify, as well as Apple Podcasts. You can find us online at wub.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at newswatch underscore WOUB. We'll be back next week with more stories from Southeast Ohio. 